You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for Hobby Radio. My name is Keith, amateur radio operator W0NX. The following articles are from the July 2022 The Spectrum Monitor and will begin by finishing the remainder of The Shortwave Listener by Fred Waterer. July 17th, 0100, WRMI, 5950, TRSW, On Stage, 2022, Rodeo, Houston. July 17th, 0100, WRMI, 5950, TRSW, Prime, Clarence, Gatemouth, Brown, Repeat. July 23rd, 2300, WRMI, 5950, TRSW, Old Time Radio, Hopalong Cassidy, two episodes, repeat. July 24th, 0100, WRMI, 5950, TRSW, On Stage, 2022, Rodeo Houston, repeat. July 24th, 0100, WRMI, 5950, TRSW, Encore, Johnny Winter. July 24th, 0200, WBCQ, 6160, TRSW, Prime, Clarence, Gatemouth Brown. July 30th, 2300, WRMI, 5950, TRSW, Old Time Radio, I Was a Communist for the FBI, two episodes. July 31st, 0100, WRMI, 5950, TRSW, 5th Sunday Special, Early Texas Rock. July 31st, 0100, WRMI, 5950, TRSW, 5th Sunday Prime, Asleep at the Wheel. August 6th, 2300, WRMI, 5950, TRSW, Old Time Radio, I Was a Communist for the FBI. Two episodes, repeat. Radio Romania International. As many shortwave broadcasters disappeared over these last many years, some disappeared altogether while others took up residence on the Internet. I did not have Radio Romania International being the final holdout from Eastern Europe on my bingo card, but here we are. Like the improbable longevity of the voice of Greece on shortwave, it keeps on going into the second decade of the 21st century. As the voice of Greece also reminds us, these broadcasts should be cherished, as we never know when they might disappear too. RRI is well heard in North America in a number of languages, including English and French. 
Also well heard are the broadcasts in the Romanian language. Due to an accident of history and geography, Romanian is not a Slavic language but a Romance language, having more in common with French, Italian, and Latin than other Eastern tongues. The Roman Empire annexed most of the region, and Roman Dacia, as it was known, was an integral part of the empire. When the Roman military and civil administration eventually withdrew, it is thought that many Latin-speaking colonists and locals chose to remain behind. There was a 70s joke about a tourist from Bucharest in Rome who was thought to be speaking Italian with a very curious accent. As a fan of languages, it's sometimes fun just to listen to the Romanian language. Even if you don't speak the language, there is some fantastic programming to be heard from RRI in Romanian. Tune in on local North American evenings on 7,240 and 9,730 kilohertz around 0 UTC. At 0 UTC Sundays, As We Like features some great party music. This is followed up at 0100 with radio concert season with an hour of classical music. This is my personal favorite. On Mondays at the same time, tune in for Romanian folk music. Perhaps a bit more of a difficult catch in North America, but at 17.05 UTC Saturdays, another hour of As We Like is on the air. And on UTC Sundays at the same time, the program Music 100% can be heard. Try 9,500 and 11,975 kilohertz. Thanks to Alan Rose Music on Short Wave List for helping identify the names of the shows. Of course, through the week, one can hear Romanian music spread throughout the programs of RRI in all languages. I think you'll find it's a real treat. And just because we can't speak a language doesn't mean it isn't interesting to listen to. Speaking of unusual languages, in late May, I was doing some casual listening and came across a really good signal on 15,000 435 kilohertz in an Asian language, Korean, at 1750 UTC into next hour. Programming before the top of the hour was possibly a language course with English segments talking about relatives in North Korea. Well, it turns out my hunch was right. It was Korean from the BBC originating in the Philippines. It was booming in nicely to my location until sign-off at 18.30 UTC. Again, it was nice to hear a Korean language broadcast so well. It got me interested in Korean language broadcasts, and we'll look at those in a future edition. Additional broadcasts to Russia and Ukraine from Rus DX Bulletin 1188. Trans World Radio on New Frequencies. The International Christian Broadcasting Company, Trans World Radio, is updating the frequency range for its programs in Russian and Ukrainian. Starting May 30th, 
TWR adds an hourly block in Russian on short and medium waves. For the new AM frequency, a transmitter, 160 kilowatts, from the Mayak Radio Transmitting Center in Transnistria will be used. At a frequency of 621 kilohertz in the morning hours on weekdays, the signal Radio 1 Plus of the Prydnestovian State Television and Radio Company is available. The second additional shortwave frequency, apparently from a repeater on the island of Guam. Transworld Radio Schedule 1700 to 1800 UTC 13,660 kilohertz, Russian, from May 30th. 1730 to 1830 UTC, 621 kilohertz, Russian, from May 30th. 1600 to 1700 UTC, 15,200 kilohertz, Ukrainian. 1847 to 1947 UTC. 1,377 kilohertz, Ukrainian. 1,900 to 2,000 UTC. 1,035 kilohertz, Ukrainian and Russian. And now Radio 101 by Ken Reitz, KS4ZR. KS4ZR, numeral 1, at gmail.com. Streaming international TV and radio with a stick. Those who were shortwave listeners in the 1960s-90s remember well the propaganda battle of the bands. It was East versus West, with super-powered broadcasters including Radio Moscow, Deutsche Welle, BBC World Service, Voice of America, and many more. The bands were packed day and night with voices of the world's countries broadcasting to the entire planet in dozens of languages. Any portable shortwave radio could pick up these stations anywhere. In a way, it was the Internet before there was a World Wide Web. The latest news from around the world could be heard with the turn of a dial. The latest music could be heard and documentaries made the world aware of the various issues in every part of the world. There was an informal consensus at the time that the BBC World Service ranked number one in the accurate delivery of world news. It also ranked very high in music programming. It's often where Americans heard first what was playing in the UK's top 40. Those were the days. Those who were savvy enough to subscribe to Popular Electronics and Electronics Illustrated, which had extensive articles on shortwave broadcasting, knew where to look for other broadcast signals such as the Armed Forces Radio and TV Services feed of American radio network news programs that ran the latest news back-to-back -back from the big U.S. radio networks at the time, including the Mutual Broadcasting Network. AFRTS also broadcast live sporting events so that service personnel deployed around the world could keep up with their favorite sports and teams. Unlike VOA, which presented the official position of the U.S. Department of State to the world at large, 
AFRTS broadcasts were intended for reception by U.S. military bases around the world, which would then rebroadcast those programs for service personnel. Shortwave listeners were the happy beneficiaries of these broadcasts. The bands were brimming with individual Soviet nations, Albania, Romania, East Germany, and others towing the party line. But there were many others, now also long gone. Radio South Africa, Radio Australia, for example, and the clandestine shortwave operations run by the CIA, including Radio Americas and Radio Swan. It helped that this period of great shortwave broadcasting occurred at the same time as the highest solar cycle numbers in many decades. In fact, nothing has come close since. Record sunspot counts made even the cheapest shortwave radios perform well. Radio becomes TV. As we all know only too well, the international shortwave broadcast landscape changed dramatically over the last 30 years. Radio Moscow is no more. VOA sold off all but one of its massive stateside transmitting stations. AFRTS programming is still sent around the world to U.S. bases, but only via encrypted satellite delivery. VOA, BBC, Deutsche Welle, and many others have concentrated their broadcast efforts on local in-country FM broadcasts and Internet streaming. Before the advent of streaming TV, the bridge between shortwave and online broadcasting was free-to-air FTA satellite broadcasts via commercial C and KU band satellites. The list of countries using this method to get their message out to the world has been extensive, including all of the original legacy shortwave broadcasters. The advantage of TV for getting their message across is, of course, showing pictures. If a picture is indeed worth a thousand words, these countries were certainly getting their money's worth. VOA, BBC, Deutsche Welle, known on satellite as DWTV. Russia, though they are much harder to find on satellite thanks to their invasion of Ukraine, and many other state agencies pay satellite transponder brokers to uplink their programming so that anyone in the footprint of these geostationary satellites can watch free. That's the free-to-air part using inexpensive satellite receivers and small satellite dishes. If you watch these channels, particularly RT, formerly Russia Today, Voice of America, NHK World, Japan, and CGTN, China Global Television Network, for example, the programming looks like propaganda. And, when it comes to supporting their own governments, who can blame them? The state writes their paychecks. That's not to say that these channels don't have competent journalists producing documentaries that they air. They are all very good, but their mission is not to point out their own country's flaws. In fact, this is where you want to go to get the news that others won't air. Here are a few examples. I recently watched a documentary on NHK World about China's ghost castles.
enormous residential building projects, some as tall as 35 stories, that are unfinished or nearly finished or totally abandoned, often with no one living in them, or families living in them without running water or electricity or heat or air conditioning, and yet often made to pay the developers a monthly mortgage as if the project was completely finished. It's a huge scandal, but you're not likely to find this story on CGTN. It was a team of Japanese journalists who produced this story. A few years ago, on France 24, I saw a documentary on the sprawling ad hoc tent city of the homeless in the city of Los Angeles, practically in the shadow of the iconic Hollywood sign. It was a story that wasn't airing at the time on American TV. A few months ago, I saw a documentary on DWTV about a recycling business in Africa that had virtually no safeguards for its workers, despite the heavy use of cancer-causing chemicals used in the process of recycling. All of these documentaries were very well done and exposed serious problems in other countries, and that is their greatest value. Don't pay that much attention to coverage of their own issues. They'll often pull their punches or sugarcoat the stories, but let them focus on problems in another country, and you get pretty close to the truth. This little stick. Forty years ago, the cutting-edge technology was C-band satellite. There was no KU-band in those days and no encryption. Video and audio services were delivered in analog format. Auxiliary audio services were often unrelated to the video content. KKJZ's jazz programming was sent on an audio subcarrier of the Playboy Channel, which underwrote the costs of uplinking the public radio station. These radio services were downlinked, along with the video, on audio subcarriers. The satellite receiver separated the subcarriers, which could be fed into a stereo amp. The audio quality was quite good, depending on how many audio services were packed onto the subcarriers. These satellite receive only systems were expensive, typically thousands of dollars, required professional installation, and content was limited to whatever transponders were being used. Twenty years ago, many of those video and audio services migrated to KU band. These were much smaller, much less expensive systems that could easily be set up by consumers. They brought the big dish video and audio world to virtually any backyard, patio, or balcony, and were, and still are, protected from HOA rules by FCC mandate, which requires landlords or other entities to allow dish installations up to one meter in diameter on any area under the control of the renter, lessee, or owner in the case of HOA rules. Today, thanks to internet connectivity, nearly all video and audio services previously available on satellite can now be accessed free using either your smart TV or Roku streaming device. Over the years, 
I found that the Roku device is better at finding and installing a wide range of international radio and TV fare than smart TV sets. All you need is a $40 Roku streaming stick, a TV set with HDMI connectors and access to the internet. The faster your internet connection, the better video streaming works. But if you don't have access to high-speed internet, and tens of millions of Americans don't, you can still connect via an inexpensive Wi-Fi hotspot for as little as $5.55 per month. There will be restrictions in data allowances, depending on what level of service you get. Remember, too, audio services use much less bandwidth than video, way less than 4K. That's because in most cases, audio streaming is done at a very low bitrate, a fraction of the bandwidth used for even the lowest quality video. Over the last 25 years, I have used everything from dial-up, thumb drive internet connections, and hotspots to KA-band satellite. All had various disadvantages. At this location, our local power company, the Rural Electric Cooperative, REC, used funds available through the FCC's $1.2 billion Rural Broadband Initiative to allow a broadband company to use its existing power pole infrastructure to provide fiber optic internet to all households on the REC system who wanted to sign up. Needless to say, I didn't waste any time in signing up. The actual monthly cost is one-half what we were paying for Viasat's KA-band broadband service. Tuning in via MyTuner. Adding apps to your Roku device couldn't be easier. Popular apps are listed under streaming channels. Some are free, and some apps will require a subscription. Cable TV fare, for example. However, all the apps I want, DWTV, NHK, VOA, France 24, MyTuner, etc. are free. If you can't find the channel app you want to add, scroll down to the search function and start typing the name using the remote control. When you see the channel you want to add, click on it with the remote and you'll be prompted to Add Channel. When you do, that channel will now appear on your Roku homepage. To add MyTuner, for example, go to the search function, type in MyTuner, and when it shows up, just click Add Channel. When you open MyTuner, you'll be presented with tens of thousands of radio stations and one million podcasts, according to MyTuner. Scrolling down the left-hand side of the app, find the search function and type in the radio station you want to hear. When it shows up, click on it with remote, and it will show up at the bottom left of the screen. Click on the play button, and it will start playing. To add to your favorites list, click the star next to the play button, and it will now appear in your favorites list. This is advised, as you may soon lose track of stations you really like. The complete list of your favorites will let you switch from station to station quickly. The list available via MyTuner is staggering, 
but there are gaps. World Radio Network is not found. Amazon's Fire Stick Alternative I would be remiss if I didn't mention Amazon's Fire Stick, another streaming device. While priced about the same, $35, Fire Stick comes with a lot of Amazon convenience and inconvenience. We'll finish the short remainder of this article next time. Thank you for joining us for Hobby Radio. My name is Keith. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.